see everyone. Uh, this week's parish, Parashas Chayesara, discusses not the first marriage in the Torah, but the first uh, courtship uh, in the Torah, um, and offers us many lessons as to how to go about that process uh, appropriately and successfully. Um, but I wanted to take the opportunity in that context to discuss uh, something which has received attention over the last, I guess, 25 years, but even more so in the last uh, number of years. Uh, and that is the topic of uh, prenuptial agreements, not the kind of prenuptial agreements that might be uh, uh, drafted at the second marriage in order to preserve assets, which is its own discussion, which perhaps we should have another time, but, but uh, not financial prenups in that sense and preserving assets, but uh, prenuptial agreements that are motivated um, uh, in order to prevent the tragedy of a chained woman or, uh, or an, uh, an, uh, an Aguna situation, which, of course, uh, is one of the, the most difficult circumstances that we encounter in the contemporary uh, society in arranging, uh, in arranging Gittin. Uh, but in order to understand what's been suggested and uh, the discussion that it has uh, created, uh, we really need to understand the problem or the, the hurdle that it's attempting to, uh, to overcome. And that is uh, based on the Mishnah Masechtas Gittin, which tells us in Pechas Mebez, that a get that's meusa, a get that is compelled, shaloi kedin is pasul. If it's done um, when it's uh, when it's not called for, or inappropriately, then it is pasul. If it is done meusa uh, bedin kedin kasher. If it's done appropriately, when or when it is called for, uh, then it is kasher. So the what what we'll begin with the second part of the Mishnah, and that is that a get that is compelled when it is not called for uh, is pasul. Uh, and that is because uh, a get has to be, uh, the Jewish bill of divorce has to be given by the husband um, um, uh, willingly. It is not something that is permitted to be compelled. And that the Rambam bases at the beginning of Hilchas Gerish and Perak Aleph Halacha Beis, uh, based on the Pasuk and Parashas Kiseitse, If it will be that she will not find favor in his eyes any longer, then he should write a, uh, a get and he should place it uh, in her hands. <coughs> So the, from the fact that the Pasuk uses the term, and again, this is the Rambam, this doesn't appear in the Gemara, the Gemara assumes that this is the case, the Rishonim struggled to find the source, and the Rajbah is a slightly different source, also from the same Pasuk, but somewhat of a different derivation, but the Rambam explains that it's because this is something that she hasn't found favor in his eyes, which sounds like that it's something that's subjective, and up to him to determine, he's only, uh, he, he only is, uh, is uh, a get can only be delivered if it's done with his, uh, you know, because he wants to do it. But if it's compelled, uh, it's done against his will, then the get uh, is not valid. And therefore, Tosis writes, that if we will compel a get when it is not called for, uh, and not in, in the, the guidelines that Chazal have, uh, have outlined, then the get will be a get ma'usa, and the get will, uh, will, will, will not be kosher. To be sure, though, the Gemara Mishnah tells himself this Ksubis, the Gemara Mishnah this Yavamas, collects different circumstances when a get can be uh, compelled. And that's what the first clause of the Mishnah Mishnah is Gina Pechest and Mabes is discussing, that a get this Mu'usa Kedin, when Chazal have outlined and have uh, prescribed that a get uh, can be compelled, then we have the ability to, 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 to make sure that the husband does deliver a get, even if it has to be, uh, to be forcibly um, compelled. The question that begs, which is, and the, what are those circumstances? So each one is debatable, but those that are beyond, you know, that are agreed upon by everyone are, you know, if the get is arranged, Shalom, Kedas Moshe Israel. You know, it's, uh, there's an Easter that's involved. They're not permitted to remain married. 
um, you know, someone from uh, married one of the arayos. So then, of course, then uh, the the marriage is shaloi kedin, and uh, we can compel the husband to 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 provide his wife with uh, with a get to dissolve the marriage. There are other circumstances, you know, in terms of uh, abusive relationships and all the other permutations that one could envision around that. But each one is a discussion in the place, and of course, beyond the scope of our discussion. But if it is determined based on the rules and regulations that are outlined in the accepted piskei that a get can be uh, compelled, so then we the Basin has the right to compel the husband to give a get. But of course, the question is obvious. If we explain that a get that's mo'usu shaloikadin, when it is not called for, it's possible because a get has to be delivered uh, willingly by the husband and not something that can be uh, forced upon him. So then, how could there ever be a circumstance when the Basin has the ability to compel a husband to give a get if a get has to be given willingly? Well, it's like Oh, that's, this is exactly this halacha, yeah. So the, the Ramam explains that it's based on the Gemara Masechus Baba Basra, over here, Aleph, but the Gemara discusses a person who's compelled to make a sale. Tell Yuhu Vizavin. So the Gemara says, Vini Zvini, if we compelled him in the end to make the sale and he agreed to the sale, so the sale is valid. Why is the sale valid? I could say we want to, you know, we can envision that in Manhattan, right? We want to compel him to make a sale. We give him an offer he can't refuse, speaking in in illusions, and uh, in the end of the day, he agrees to the sale. So the says, well, whatever pressure was brought to bear, in the end of the day, if you agree to the sale, it's, you agree to it. So the sale is valid because a person says the Gemara only ever sells an asset because he's compelled to do so. Otherwise, why would you sell the asset? You continue to rise in value. You're only going to do it because you need, you have some other pressure that's compelling you to do it. So the fact that over here there was a artificial pressure that was brought to bear shouldn't make a difference. At the end of the day, if you agree to the sale, you agree to the sale. The Gemara even continues that if a person, uh, a man is, I don't know why this hasn't been suggested right in the Shidduch crisis, if a man is compelled to marry a woman, uh, in the end of the day, if he agrees to the Kiddushin, so then the Kiddushin is considered to be valid. So, because in the end of the day, he agreed to that transaction. So, so too, in that context, the Gemara brings up over here, on the second line of Oizdalin, uh, the same is true with a get. We can force uh, the husband to provide his wife with a get, just like Bezin. A Bezin has the right to force a person to fulfill a mitzvah. The person doesn't want to eat matzah. Or he's eating makolas asuras. We have the ability to compel him uh, to perform the mitzvahs in, in an appropriate fashion. So, so too, if a husband is deemed that he's obligated to provide his wife with a get, we can compel him to follow the mitzvahs of the Bezin, can compel him the mitzvahs to fulfill any of the mitzvahs, and included in that would be to provide his wife with a get, provided that he says, uh, Reitzani. Is there any What are the grounds that she's not happy? Is there only his side? Well, he, I don't know. give a get. Is there only if he's not happy that he can give a get? Well, make right, then we can go, she can be given a get against her will. She doesn't have to consent to well, receive the get. Right. So there any grounds we don't, uh, we don't follow that. Rabbeinu Gershom a thousand years ago prohibited us from giving a, wife, a get to a wife against her will in order so that people, you know, encourage people to remain married and not dissolve marriages willy-nilly. But, but <coughs> make right, then we don't, you don't need the, the wife's consent to deliver a get. But, but now I'm saying is the other side, if she's unhappy... Can she go to Benton and say, I want to get against his will? Yeah. I mean, well, no. She can lodge a complaint and, 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 and petition for a get. But the grounds that And if she's not happy in the marriage, so then... So he, can, he, he doesn't have to explain it. He can just say, I'm not happy, right? So... Well, yeah, the question is, no, no, no. Again, a person could dissolve the marriage for a whole host of reasons. The question is, will that, will those uh, grounds, uh, you know, be, entitle us to compel the husband to give a get? That's a, then, no, that's only under certain circumstances. Typically, if people are not happy in the marriage and they want to move on, 
that's fine, but we can't compel the husband. There's no mitzvah to give a get in that circumstance. They're not happy, and it might be that it's the appropriate thing to do because his wife is not happy in the marriage and she'd like to, you know, move on. But we can't, there's no mitzvah here compelling, you know, that he has to fulfill in order for us to be permitted to, to, to enable him to fulfill, you know. To give the get, so the Gemara says over here. If he says writes ani, um, if ultimately he uh, he agrees to do so, so then when it is called for, when we have an obli- he is obligated to divorce his wife. So as long as he says writes ani, we can compel him to give the get because uh, in the end of the day he he agreed. Um, what is that based on? So the Rambam explains the psychology behind it in a very famous comment at the end of the second parak of Hilchas Gerushin, and the Rambam explains since there is a mitzvah in here. To provide your wife with a get in this circumstance, because the marriage was shaloi kedin, or someone is conducting themselves shaloi kedin, and therefore there's an obligation to dissolve the marriage. So even though he would not necessarily have, uh, you know, have have wanted to give the get independently, but since we compelled him to do it, so in the end of the day, since we compelled him to do it, and he of course has a innate desire to fulfill the rotsen habayre, to fulfill the the willingness, you know, the the the, the will of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So is, since in the end of the day he, he he commits to do it and he consents to do it, so then we. we view that as if that's something that he wants to do, because his inner self, his real self, his holy self, wants to give, uh, wants to give the get. So therefore the Ramam says that ultimately, since he says, right, Sunny, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's sufficient, as long as there's a mitzvah to do it. The problem is, if there's no mitzvah for the husband to give a get in this kind of circumstance, so then uh, if he's compelled to do it, we don't say, well, your inner self wants to fulfill the mitzvah of Hashem, because there is no mitzvah to divorce your wife in this circumstance. It would only be if there is a mitzvah to do so under the guidelines that are outlined by Chazal. So then we have the ability to be kaifin because we assume that uh, he wants to fulfill the mitzvah that uh, it's appropriate to give your wife a get in this circumstance. But if uh, there is no mitzvah to do it and we compel him to do it, that get would be possible, would be considered a get ma'usa, which was not given uh, willingly. Here by the get, it's interesting, the, Rambu, the Gemara says that he has to be kaifin He has to say, I want to do it. When it comes to a sale that's compelled or a kiddushin that's compelled, there is, uh, the Raman believes there's no requirement that the, the party actually, of, you know, uh, articulate, writes on me, that I want to do it. The Rambam writes over here in Perek Da'al of Yichasish, Shlach Aleph, that, uh, Of course, if you're Makadish, a woman against her will, the Kiddushin is not valid. And even if you compelled her until she consented, the Gemara says we undo the marriage because he acted Shalai Kiddin, we'll act Shalai Kiddin, and we, we undo the marriage based on our power of Avkinu Kiddushin, which we discussed in another context, which is beyond the scope of our discussion today. The Chazal have the ability to undo marriages because everybody who gets married gets married based on their... Kedash, most of Israel, based on their say so. If we therefore say not, we can undo all marriages. And we discussed that another time as a solution to the Aguna problem and the parameters of that. But the uh, Ramam continues, let's say we compel the man to engage in Kiddushan. The Kiddushan is valid. And that's it. He doesn't have to say rights on it. Even though when it comes to the garrison, he has to say rights on it. When it comes to the kiddushin, he doesn't. So the Raven asks, he says, Vahusha, you have rights on it. No, that's only provided he says rights on it. Just like the Gedi asked in the end of the day, he has to say that he's uh, consenting to do this. So too by the kiddushin as well. He has to say that he's consenting. But the Rama makes no such stipulation. How come when it comes to garrison, he has to say rights on it when it comes to a kiddushin or, or, or compelling a person to sell a property? He doesn't have to say rights on it. So here the Nesivas explains, and Itzel Aponovich explains in the Zefer Yitzchak, they quote the same thing in the name of Reb Chaim, that it's because Gerishin requires a higher level of consent. See, when it comes to a normal sale or even a Kiddushin, which is a typical, you know, not the typical transaction, but a form of a transaction, so then all that's required is consent. And we don't need Xeris HaKasa for that. No transaction to be conducted on my behalf without my consent. 
the reason we have a special Xeris HaKosov here that the get has to be given mir tsoinoi, has to be given willingly, is because here it's more than just consent. It has to be something that he wants to do. So therefore, there, that's why in this circumstance and only in this circumstance, the Rabbin believes you have to say roitzani. This is not just something I consent to do. That wouldn't need to be articulated. You see by a sale or by kiddushin, if it's compelled, you don't have to articulate roitzani. You consent to, to do it in the end, that's fine. But when it comes to gerish and you have to go above and beyond that, that's why we have a special gerish akosav. It has to be something that's not just consented to, but something that he, uh, that he wants to do. So it has perhaps even uh, a higher standard. But basically what emerges is, is that if a get, you know, under certain circumstances, a get can be compelled. If Chazal called for a get in this circumstance, because every husband wants to fulfill the Ratzon Abayri inside, but if, uh, deep down, but if it's, uh, if it's not called for, uh, and the get is compelled, that would be a get Ma'usa, and the get would be Shaloi Kedin, because the husband has to give the get, uh, has to give the get willingly. Of course, here in the United States, we had, uh, even if uh, there would be circumstances where there, you know, those rare circumstances where it is, everyone agrees that the get uh, can be uh, compelled. Uh, of course, we don't have any mechanism uh, to do that, to compel someone to give a get, obviously, is, uh, is uh, physically or even through financial uh, penalties would be, uh, would be illegal. So that's beyond the scope of any uh, based in this. In Eretz Israel, they have different powers because everything goes through the... The, the basin and they have ability to coerce uh, husbands to give a get and they put them in jail and all the other things. We obviously don't have that uh, capability here in the United States. So our, our, our option, even if it would be a case of uh, koifin, a basin in America would, would rarely, pos- if ever, never, would pass in koifin because we don't have the ability to do it. It's against, uh, it's against the law. But there is another um, uh, possible way of, uh, uh, of encouraging a husband to give a get when it is, uh, when it is called for, and that is uh, what's known as the Harkokas de Rabbeinu Tam. It appears here in the Ramah, uh, in Evan Ezzah, Simen Kufnan Dalet, Sif Chaf Aruf, it's quoted from the Sefer Yash of Rabbeinu Tam, that Kalmakam Shein Kaifim Beshoitim, any time when it's not called for to compel somebody physically to provide his wife for the get, Ein Menadon Oisei Gamkein, putting someone in Nidor was considered to be a uh, curse, Cherem is uh, Gamatria Ramach, because when a person, a cherem is issued, it's a curse in all of his ramach, a varim, that he should die. So every time there's a nidor, there's a cherem, it's really a curse, which is a, uh, you know, an, an assault, if not physically, uh, spiritually. So, Nonetheless, we can uh, bring to bear social pressure by refusing to do business with him or associating with him because here we're not, uh, we're not assaulting him uh, you know, directly, it's more of an indirect uh, social pressure. Um, and, uh, people divorce all the time because of social pressure. So you know, if, if social pressure would be, uh, would be compelling a get, so then, so then, so then uh, you know, it's, a, it's an argument uh, ad absurdum because at some point there's always pressure and that's what brings people to act in any circumstance. So over here, this pressure was, uh, Rabbeinu Tom felt was too far removed. It couldn't be directly linked to the, to the you know, to, to, to compelling person to give a get. So that Rabbeinu Tam felt that these harchakas were not considered to be compelling him to give a get. It wouldn't be a get meusa. Says Ramadan, they can do whatever they want, short of nidoy. That's uh, considered to be uh, uh, a spiritual assault. The Pesachay Tshuva there quotes him the Gvura Sanoshim. That's the Shach. Or the Sefer called Gvura Sanoshim, who felt that in our society, uh, all of these harchakas could amount to, to what, is, uh, what is ultimately the same as a nidoy. If it's nidoy, just we don't call it that, 
but no one will go near this fellow. And of course, they didn't have the means of going from one community to another community to another community, just moving. Um, so if no one was going to do business with him, no one was going to marry him, no one was going to do anything, that was, uh, that was uh, tantamount to putting the, the person in cherem. So the shock felt that you couldn't take these harchakas too far, that it's, it's ki'ilu, the person is in cherem. But uh, most Paiskim feel that in today's society, the, we're not living in the same world as the shock. If a person's not treated, you know, in, uh, you know, he's treated one way in one community, go to another community, and uh, he won't necessarily be treated in that fashion. He could do business in a different industry or somewhere else. So then it wouldn't be the equivalent of an idoy, and uh, we, uh, the, the people do employ the hachakis to Rabbeinu Tam in uh, attempting to encourage a husband to give a get. That wouldn't necessarily be considered a, uh, a, a get ma'usa. But again, uh, that also has uh, limited capabilities, as we've seen in our times in uh, very lamentable and tragic cases. So in order to attempt to ameliorate this situation, in 1983, the, I guess uh, there was a lobby for the passage of a get law, which uh, stipulated, in the, at least in the state of New York, that a, uh, a civil divorce will not be issued uh, when there's a petition made for a religious divorce, and the religious divorce has not yet been granted. So the civil divorce is contingent upon the delivery of a religious divorce. And that was in the hopes of compelling a, a husband to, to give a, a religious divorce again. Now, that's what, why, isn't, why isn't that a get ma'usa? So the explanation was given that that's not to consider where Moshe gave his askama to this, that this, this, this is not considered to be a get ma'usa, because no one is forcing anybody to do anything. You, you would like the court to grant you a civil divorce. That's not a right. That is a, a, you know, something that the court can grant somebody. So since that is not something you are in, you know, uh, entitled to from birth, is that, that's something that comes later, so the court has a right to say, we don't want to grant a civil divorce until you give your wife a religious divorce. So that was not considered to be a get ma'usa, because no one's being forced to anything. You're asking us for something else, so we're making a contingent bond uh, upon this. So the, the uh, 1983 get law was considered to be valid. The problem is, is that it didn't solve all the cases, because you could have a husband, conceivably, who would say, no, I'll, I'll remain married. And, uh, you know, and she'll remain married, and I'll forego the civil divorce. It's, it's, it's assuming that he is motivated to, to, to get a civil divorce. So therefore, 1993, they passed a second uh, get law, which, um, which, uh, which uh, outlines or gives the court the ability to, uh, in the distribution of the assets, even if there won't be a civil divorce, but in the distributing the assets, uh, and the financial settlement between a husband and a wife who are dissolving their uh, f- financial uh, relationship, that the court can, uh, can use as a, as, a, you know, as a reason to distribute the assets differently than they might have in the absence of a religious divorce so, and religious get, so they can use the husband's recalcitrance in delivering a religious get to distribute the assets differently. They can, uh, so to speak, penalize him for not giving the religious divorce in their method of distributing the assets. <laughs> so Ramesha writes in the Igris Moshe, he says, if all they're doing is providing support for the wife, meaning let's say, she's saying, look, she has no religious divorce, she can't get remarried, so he has to provide her with support, and therefore we're going to take into account the fact that he hasn't delivered the religious divorce and how we divide the assets in order to provide her with what she needs to support herself, Sarah Moshe felt that that was not considered to be a get ma'usa. Yeah, all we're doing is providing her with a means of supporting herself in this uh, state that she's being left in. So Moshe writes over here in Simen Kuvav, this Chayok Dada, and as a Simen Kuvav, Udeva She'ela Hashnia, Shema Shevet the Medina Yitara Obao, Kishayena writes a Lagar Shatashum, the Kessel Mazayna Seho. Let's say the husband is refusing to deliver a religious divorce, so the courts will impose. A, uh, a financial sum that she needs in order to support herself. Until he gives it, get caution. 
that's compelled. He's obligated to support her. He's obligated to support her. So therefore, if the courts impose uh, an obligation upon him to support her, then that would not be considered a get uh, even if it's above and beyond what we would uh, halakhically prescribe. Ramesha said if the court's imposing really an obligation just to see to it that she's supported, that would not be considered a get ma'usa. Of course, though, if it is not just to provide her with support, the court, in, uh, in, in its disapproval of the way that the husband is conducting himself and not delivering his wife a religious divorce, will penalize him in the division of the assets, then that's a penalty. That is not just providing her with support, and that would indeed be a get ma'usa. And in their the discussions with uh, the, the different uh, judges in New York, how did they interpret the get law? Some judges interpreted it as providing her with, you know, the court is obligated to provide her with a means of support in the absence of religious divorce, and other judges interpreted it as a penalty. They have the right to penalize the husband until he will deliver a religious divorce then, of course, that would be a, a get ma'usa. So therefore, the get law of 1993, when it was brought before Shomazam and Abel Yashiv, they uh, understood that this could perhaps lead to the courts penalizing the husband until he gives a religious divorce, which, of course, they are not licensed to do. And if they penalize the husband until he gives a religious divorce, that would be a get ma'usa, and the get would be, uh, would be no good. So therefore, the 1993 get law, if it's invoked, is not, uh, is not uh, considered to be halakhically acceptable means of... Uh, of uh, of obtaining the get, because it could lead the court to penalize the husband to deliver the get, which would be a get musa. Huh? A penalty is considered to be a frontal assault. That's like we're twisting your arm to deliver a get. So, but it cost him fifty dollars a day. Yeah. I don't know. Also have some, some monetary yeah, but that's indirect. I'm saying I'm not doing business with you. You can't. That's not actionable in court. You can't come to me and say you're you're distancing my you're 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 you're, you're, you're telling my customers not to do business with me anymore. That's that's grumma benazikin. I I didn't attack you, but if I come and I and I uh, I uh, you know arrange for financial penalties to be levied against you, and that's uh, you know not called for, or that's. That's your like it in, then you can sue me for, for financial loss, right? There's a difference between something which is indirect and something which is more direct. So if it's more direct, then that's like, uh, you know, that could, uh, yeah, that could be a get moose. We do follow a moose. The shaila is what is the get law uh, uh, d- designed to do? Is it designed to provide the wife with, you know, dividing the assets? Well, since you're not religiously divorced, we need to, you know, come up with a means of supporting you. If that's what the law is designed for, yeah, then that's where Ramosha wasn't describing the 1993 get law. He was describing, he was just a truth to South Africa. And uh, where they were going to compel the husband to provide her with support. So if that's what the 19... 19- I don't think it was around 1993. Right. So if that was, uh, if that was what the 1993 get law was designed for, then it would be fine. But it's not clear that's what it was designed for. And I think it would, would probably lead to, 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 uh, to, to penalizing the husband to give a get. So, but there is perhaps another mechanism of... Um, huh? That's only, right, if, if the mitzvah is for you to give a get. Because then you want to, inside, follow the Ratan of Chazal and the Mitzvah of Hashem. But if you're not obligated to give a get, um, so then we can't compel you. And even then, it would have to be a legitimate body that's doing the compelling. A secular court would never be licensed to compel. Uh, it would only be uh, based in that's kosher. Even an individual cannot, I can't compel somebody to eat matzah. Aside from the fact that it's against the law for me to strike him to do so, I'm not, I'm not licensed to do it, so therefore the, the, the compelling itself is wrong. So a secular court is never licensed. This is one of the unique properties that's, uh, or, 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 you know, uh, powers that's given to Beisden. Beisden has the ability to compel people to follow the mitzvahs. 
but not uh, not an unlicensed body, even if it would be called for, which in many circumstances we can envision, it will not be called for. They want to dissolve the marriage, that's fine, but we can't necessarily compel him to divorce his wife. But another, perhaps, uh, mechanism that would uh, compel the husband to divorce his wife, which would not create a situation to get Ma'usa, that we can envision, is if he will himself, uh, be a self-inflicted penalty, something that he accepts upon himself, if I will, at some later date, uh, refuse to deliver a get when it has been uh, petitioned for, I will accept upon myself Meirosh, a penalty, financial penalty is self-imposed, would that be considered to be a gemusa because the whole the entire thing is self-imposed. So the base Yosef over here in Simon Kufal Mandalasiv He himself was a self-inflicted penalty, right? Self-imposed. If he will not to provide a divorce when it's asked for. Okay. It's such a thing where he himself imposed a penalty upon himself considered to be a gemusa, and the opinion of Ramaiman Noor is that that is not considered to be a gemusa since it's self-imposed. But then, the Beis goes on to quote from a Chuvis HaRashbach, about a very similar case, Ruven, okay, where, again, he imposed uh, the family, encouraged him to, you know, to, to accept. Uh, he was told them, I'm going to divorce her, don't worry. And they, uh, in order to convince him of the fact that he was going to divorce her, he accepted, a, it was a self-imposed penalty. If he won't deliver a divorce by you know, a certain uh, date, he'll, he'll accept a financial penalty. And the Rajbah felt, even though it was self-imposed, that is still considered to be a get ma'usa, because he's only delivering the get. Ultimately, when he does so, it's against his will. He's not doing so uh, willingly, only in order to relieve himself of the financial penalty. How should we paskin on this issue? So the Ramah actually uh, paskins not like the Rajbah, he paskins like Ramayman Noar, that a get that's uh, delivered because of a knas atzmo, a self-imposed penalty, is not considered to be a get ma'usa. So therefore, writes the Ramah over here, Ois Yud. din in Kibo Kinyon Lagarish, he accepts an obligation to divorce. If he accepts upon himself a penalty, if he won't deliver a divorce, he doesn't have to deliver the get, he continued to pay the penalty. And he doesn't have to divorce her. He could just continue to pay the penalty. So it's not a, a compelled get, he could just continue to pay, and anyway, it's self-imposed. Then the Ramah says, but there are those who are machmir, even in such a situation, he says it's a nice thing to be machmir uh, in order to relieve himself of the penalty. But, but, uh, but, but, uh, that uh, the, uh, he says, this is only a humrah, but it sounds like me'ikar adin, there are more paskins, uh, like the opinion that a self-imposed penalty is not considered to be compelling to give a get, and the get would be, would be kosher. <coughs> However, the Pisgah Tshuva, he quotes from the Mishkan, is Yaakov, who disagreed with the Ramah, he says, what is the Ramah being mako here? The Rajbah was machmir, so therefore, the Mishkan Yisachov claims we should not be, uh, we should not be mako on this issue, and again, the Ramah himself said, and the best thing is to be machmer chachila. Now we might argue, yeah, toiv lachus lechachila. But I have the tragic situation of an aguna, which would uh, would I maybe this is the time that it's not toiv lachus lechachila. I think there's validity in that argument as well. But if you're talking about the takana that's going to you know have uh, traction within the larger Jewish community, once the Ramah says v'toiv lachus lechachila, and the Mishkan Yisyakov says anyway, the Rajba was machmer here, even though it's a self-imposed penalty that's considered to be a get ma'usa. This is not going to this is not going to get too uh, too far within the Jewish community with all of this uh, kind of baggage. So even though it's a self-imposed penalty, let's say this suggestion was made in the early '80s that uh, let's have the husband sign the prenuptial agreement. 
uh, before they get married, that if she will petition for a get and they'll no longer be living together, that he will accept upon himself, you know, $250 a day to pay uh, as a penalty for not uh, every day he doesn't deliver a get. So that was based on this uh, opinion of Ramai Minar, which are more apostles like Meikar Adin, but it was very controversial because, again, the, the, the Rajbah disagreed and the Mishkas Yaakov felt we should pass like the Rajbah, so even a self-imposed penalty might be considered a, a get so therefore it wasn't, it wasn't uh, embraced. Ramayusha, though, was asked by Rabbi Peir, fascinating, in the early 80s, over here, Chayel Dalat Simen Kuf about what about just putting into the, into the Shtar Tanoim, which is signed uh, at a wedding, that uh, if uh, they, the, the marriage will dissolve and they won't, uh, or they won't be living together and they, they want a divorce, that they agree, Meirosh, at the outset, to uh, a binding arbitration with, at the hands of a certain Beisdin. Is that uh, acceptable? Is that considered to be a gemusa? So he responded to Rabbi Peir very briefly. He said, mm-hmm. A binding arbitration. If they'll, uh, they'll submit to binding arbitration, that uh, they'll listen to the orders of a basin to give a get or to accept a get. What is the value of writing a binding arbitration? Because even though basin can't really force anybody to do anything, once you sign a binding arbitration, that binding arbitration can then be brought to a secular court. And if the secular court is not acting independently, it's just following the orders of the basin, that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, the, the nature of them compelling the parties to follow that binding arbitration is not independent of Bezin, that is only uh, reinforcing the Bezin, that would not be considered to be uh, a get ma'usa if they're just reinforcing what, the, what was the psak of a Bezin. So Ramayusha says he thinks that that's valid. And he says, it's a great thing. Uh, and you should you should do it, but he says don't do it by a couple that might get scared away by this. But he says if you can, uh, you know, if, if that won't be the case, so then uh, Ramosha endorsed that. So that's always that's a that's a that's separate a principle. It was already endorsed in the times of Ramosha to have a binding arbitration before the even before the wedding. That uh, if there will be difficulties later on, we'll agree to the binding arbitration of this of this base day. The husband says, "Forget it, I'm not going." Right. So then the, the problem. Oh. I'm saying they have binding arbitration. The husband says they're going to. The husband says no. I'm not going to go. Right. So then I we can. My mind. I'm not doing it. We can, we can communally pressure you to at any time a person refuses to appear before Basin. We can put a cheyrim on somebody who refuses to appear. You, could, you could not force him, but you could bring the binding arbitration to a court, which could then force him to, to, uh, to, to come before the Basin. You sign the binding, that's what binding arbitration is all about, is that you sign Meirosh that, I'm gonna, that the court won't, won't handle this. Yeah, because she'll bring the binding arbitration to court and she'll say he already signed binding arbitration to a different panel and the court will say, then you. Then, no, but even more than that, it's very limited because it would only be in a time when Bazin will say Kaifin, which is rare in, in itself. So if Bazin itself won't say Kaifin, because it's not one of those rare instances in which it's clear as day that he's obligated to give a get, which is mo- right, mo- most of the cases, not, it's, not, it's not that clear. So then even if you know, the Bazin won't pass him Kaifin, the fact that it ends up in secular court won't help. Because even if, even if everyone comes and everyone follows, you know, the, the, the court can't compel him to give a get, if Bazin didn't compel him to give a get. So it only helped in those situations of, of a kaifin. So what was uh, suggested uh, afterwards in, in 1998, the suggestion was already made in a journal called Moriah by uh, Dine. No, uh, I wrote it, uh, a, a stand with, uh, with Rabbi Perez. No, I never saw one. I can't say no one ever did it. I never saw it. Yeah. 
1988, there was a suggestion made in a journal called Murray. So why are you saying that still would have been very limited anyway? Why because again... Why can't you write it that if she wants a divorce? What, what is it you're writing? That if she wants a divorce, Basin will cope No, Basin, you'll, you'll submit yourself to binding arbitration. Basin can't be cope okay, unless it's called for. Otherwise, it's a get ma'usa. So you submit to binding arbitration, then what? Why and then it's only limited because basin basin is limited when they can force again, only in rare circumstances, right? Some marriage shalot kidin or someone's acting shalot kidin, but if it's just we're not we're not getting along, this isn't working. We're on different pages. Basin can't compel the husband to give again. It's not it's not halakhically called for. So so if it's not halakhically called for, you don't have that innate little uh, you know that's you know the, the wants to fulfill the rest of Hashem. So we can't say we can't be kaifin as Hashem writes on it. So it, it's it's still somewhat limited. So in 1998, the suggestion was made to have a uh, uh, a prenup, which will um, which will not say uh, you know if the wife will petition for a divorce and the husband will refuse to grant her a divorce, that he'll uh, accept upon himself a financial penalty. What rather was suggested is that the husband will accept upon himself to continue to support her uh, beyond uh, beyond that time. So because that was not phrased as a penalty, that was phrased as a uh, as a chi of mezainos. Uh, so again, so if the get will, uh, if uh, if the uh, she will petition for a divorce and they will, um, husband will not grant her a divorce, then he will not accept upon himself to pay two hundred fifty dollars a day in a penalty, because that's even though it's a self-inflicted penalty, we assume a self-inflicted penalty is not the ideal way of de- dissolving a marriage, because in the end of the day, it's a penalty. What he will accept upon himself is an obligation of continued support, which is an artificial obligation. He's not obligated to do that Medina. There are many times the wife would forfeit, forfeit her, uh, her, uh, her support that she, she's entitled to by the Iksuba, but uh, which is, you know, in, in, there could be many circumstances where that would arise. He is obligating himself, despite all of those exclusions, I will nonetheless unequivocally support her uh, beyond that uh, with a daily amount that will account to her mezainas. Uh, and that, in those times it was $50 a day. So that uh, model was later adopted by the Basin of America, and Rabbi Willock, of course, is the Av Basin in 1992, to compose, based on that suggestion that was made earlier in, uh, in, uh, in 1998, to compose a, uh, a, um, a chiv of Mizainois that will provide her with, uh, with support uh, beyond uh, the obligation that might necessarily be required Medina, and if she'll petition for a divorce and he will refuse to give her a divorce, he accepts upon himself before we ever entered into the marriage that I will continue to provide her with support, even though it's not called for Medina, I'll continue to provide There's her with support. And they can jail you. And they, so then the court can compel you. Now, but the court is compelling you to pay not a penalty, which is forcing you to provide her with a get. The court is, provide, is, is compelling you to pay a chiyuv of mezainais, of support. Right. So that was based on a comment. It's not their original suggestion. I'm not taking anything away from them and all of their efforts. But this suggestion was already made by the Torah's Gitin. Look back at Pischei Tshuva. I mean, a similar version. We're going to see it's a little bit different, though. The Pischei Tshuva, look back, Oisud in the Ramah, where he said you can't, uh, even a self-imposed penalty is considered to be a Gemma And Pischei Tshuva, Sifkan Tess, he quotes from the Torah's Gitin, which is in Nesivus' commentary in Shulchan Aruch Heaven of Ezer. Near the Ba'ayf and Zeh, Yechayel and Lassus Kinyanim, Behefsher, Awa Gerishin. 
you can though arrange the following situations. He's Michael all the obligations that she has to the marriage. And he only leaves intact his obligations to her. So she's not obligated in even if she has a parnasa, which he would normally be entitled to in lieu of the mezainas that he provides her with the support. He would be entitled to her He says, I don't want anything from you, but I will continue to support you until such time that you'll be delivered or divorced. Therefore, he's going to divorce her. She's not providing him with anything, and all it is is a one-sided relationship that he's providing her with Mezayinus. The Torah says such a thing is not considered to be, um, we're not considered to be a, a, a get ma'usa since it's not phrased as a penalty. It's phrased, it's the, he's just leaving intact the original Chiyav Mezayinus, and he's removing all of her obligations, um, and uh, it's not linked to the get. He's just, it's an ongoing situation. He's going to provide her with support, even though she's no longer living with him and no longer providing him with anything, he continues to support her. So that's not considered to be a get moose, it's just a continuation of support. If he would like to give a get to relieve himself of that obligation, obviously he's, uh, he's entitled to do so. So the, the two components that the Torah is getting outlines, which are valid, is if it is not a penalty, it's a chiyu mezainas, and it's not necessarily linked to the deliverance of a get, then it would be valid. So Ravasha Wiseman, he was presented with this, uh, with the Basin of America prenup, for uh, the, the, the received initially the Askam of Ravadim of Zalman Nechemi Goldberg, when the Rav Asher Weiss, though, uh, was presented with it, he penned the tshuva, which is, I think, is the, the first, really, the tshuva about it. So he explains that it's based on the Torah's Gittin, that since it's phrased as a chiyu of it's not as a penalty, it's support. And it's not necessarily directly linked to the deliverance of a get. It's an ongoing chiyuv of uh, support that would not be considered to be a, uh, a get ma'usa. They even brought a precedent for this, which is debatable. They brought a precedent for this from the Nachos Shiva. The Nachos Shiva is a collection of uh, shtaris, like uh, boilerplate language. So he has the original nusach of a, uh, of a shtar tenorim that was issued in, uh, in the cities of Shum, of, um, of Magensa and Vermeiza and, and Spire. So in that, uh, in the, they made many takonas Shum. Uh, and that should, should apply in these, uh, in these neighborhoods. They weren't necessarily uh, extended with their redoros, but this was uh, their, their, uh, their obligation they had in their shtar tenoim. So we are oisir beis, it says, let's say the, uh, in the shtar tenoim they already put, if they'll come up with a fight, you know, something will, will, will cause them to have a dispute. They need an intermediary to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to mediate. He should provide it with ten zehuvim and allowance uh, every day from his As long as the dispute continues. And he'll continue to provide it with money for clothing. Until they arrive at Bezin, who will resolve the dispute. So you see that he was providing her with Mizainas as long as they were in this state of dispute. So that's how this uh, under, was understood by Ravashi Weiss as well. He claims that this is not really the same thing. It was Takana Shum, not the same thing. That was in order so they could reconcile and come back together. This, is, of course, is, has in mind that the husband should later on deliver a get, but that's uh, how it's structured in a similar fashion as the Chiyu Mizainas. However, and that's, that was their, 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 that was their suggestion. It has to be reasonable. So they do deemed $150 a day, a day which is like $54,000 a year, $55,000 a year. However, Rav Sternbach was presented with this, uh, with this uh, suggestion. Rav Sternbach argued the following. Sternbach argues that that, uh, 
the, what the Torah is getting is describing, or even what the Nachal Shiva is describing, is a continuation of the original Chiyuv Mizonos, despite the fact that she's not contributing her obligations to the marriage. Here we are creating an artificial Chiyuv Mizonos, which might not necessarily exist. He might not necessarily be obligated to support his wife if she walks out on the marriage. That's something that would have to come to evasion to be adjudicated. So there might be situations where she forfeits her Chiyuv Mizonos. What we are doing is creating an artificial Chiyuv Mizonos, that will, uh, you know, is, is obviously for the purpose of encouraging the husband to give the get. So if Sternbach argued that over here, this is, even though it's a chiyu mizonos, it's, it's phrased as a chiyu, he's not happy with the amount, he thinks it's too high, but that's probably for his social context in Eretz Yisrael. It is too high for Eretz Yisrael. It might not be high enough for other places in America, $54,000 a year, some husbands might say, I'll eat that. And that's, you know, that's the cost of doing business. So, you know, so it might not be high enough in America, and it might not be, uh, you know, it might be a little too high for Eretz Yisrael for a chiyu mizonos. But, uh, but at the same time, it's not the continuation of the original Chiyamizonos. That's what the Torah's Gittin was describing. This is a creation of an artificial Chiyamizonos, which obviously is only in order to compel the husband, in order to give the get. So if Sternbach continued to view that as a self-imposed penalty, which uh, would only create the situation of, uh, of a get ma'usa. can't value nowadays? We can, but the, she might not be entitled to Mizonos. So you're accepting Mayrosh and a new obligation of Mizonos. Gitten says even, even though he's entitled to... That's the original key of Mizonos. I'm saying even though you're not living with me, even though you're not providing with me anything, I'll continue to provide with you with Mizonos. But let's say the wife walks out. Uh, the wife could do a ma- a many things outlined by the Shnayas and Ksubis, which forfeits her Ksuba and forfeits her right to support. So so the Torah's getting helped in that situation, but it won't help in all of our conceivable situations. Where right, that into the uh, agreement. Write that into the agreement that... Yeah, put a condition that if she does things that violate the, uh, her, her obligations, then she doesn't get the... Then, uh, then, 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 they want to create this prenup to make sure that the Aguna situation doesn't, doesn't arise. So, but but, the, the, but you're, you just made a huge carve-out. So he'll say, you, you forfeited your right, your right to the Mizanus, and now all of a sudden we have to come to Basin to adjudicate it. So, Rav Shermach was opposed to the way that it's currently formulated. There has been another suggestion, which I, I, I'm, I, I'm sympathetic to Rav Shermach argues. This is an artificial key of Mizanus. In the end of the day, it's compelling the husband in order to give a get. That's why it's installed. There would be another way, though, of phrasing this, perhaps, which might uh, sidestep the issue. And that is, it could be phrased as, from the very beginning of the marriage, just like we have in the Ksuba, we have Tosefus Ksuba, there's things that the husband obligates himself above and beyond that which is required. Medina de Gemara, and communities, uh, different communities obligated themselves, and we now we have a standard form, but in the Sephardish community, they obligate themselves in different things, and different things, what we could, the husband could initially obligate himself in the marriage, when they get married, is, I will provide you with support unconditionally. And, uh, you know, even if you'll no longer be, will be living together, I continue to agree to provide you with support unconditionally. The, the, the fear is the wife might take that and say, well, then I'm not providing you with anything. And, uh, you know, and the husband will be stuck. But what could also be added is I'll provide you with support unconditionally until such time that we, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we have arrived in a basin to discuss dissolving the marriage, at which point, you know, that obligation would cease. So if this is already installed in the beginning of the marriage, um, you know, as uh, was, was suggested before, if you already say from the very beginning of the marriage, I'm going to provide you with this artificial key of Mizonos already now, you could either accept it in the form of living together, right, domestic support, or even if we're no longer living together, I'll continue to provide you with that support. So then that, uh, th- th- that could perhaps sidestep many of the, of the concerns of Sherman. I don't know why they haven't instituted something more in that, in that, that line, but that I think would sidestep many of the issues. But one, one concern that many people have is, oh, how could it be before a couple's young couple's getting married, we're sitting with this discussing what's going to be. 
the truth of the matter is, if the marriage won't work out, but the truth of the matter is, that's all what the Ksuba is about. I mean, the, the Ksuba, when I explained to Chassanim underneath, uh, you know, at the Chassan's tish, what they're agreeing to, I said, you know, if you're going to dissolve the marriage, if you explain it to them in real terms, you're basically going to pay about $30,000. You know, here we are at the Chassan's tish, if they understand what they're signing, the Ksuba, what the Makabo Kenyan to obligate himself to do is pay $30,000 if the marriage will dissolve. It's not, you know, and then, you know, then we go marching down to the, to, to, to the Badekin. So I don't know if this is so different than, uh, than, uh, than that which, you know, the Ksuba really, uh, really signifies, which people hang on their wall. You know, if the marriage will divorce, we agree to pay such and such money. So I don't know if this, uh, this uh, you know, the prenuptial agreement uh, is, uh, is that much different. But I think even, you know, largely, it's important for a couple as they get married to think about doing not about themselves, but even if they accept to do such things, it might help somebody else down the road. It's a very, very appropriate, uh, you know, mindset. The first thing Eliezer looks for when he's looking for a shidduch is a, is a, for, for, for Yitzchak is a woman who's going to do chesed. Why? Why is that all that he's looking for is a, is a woman who's going to do chesed? And the Ron explains that it's because Midas uh, Taivas is at the heart of every marriage, right? The Bnei Saskar says there's nine words in Harayat Mekudeshesli which have 32 letters because it's uh, nine is, uh, is a tes. Thirty-two is 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 lave, and it's because in order to have a marriage, you have to have a lave type. You have to have a lave test. It has to be a, a lave type. Thirty-two uh, letters and nine words, because in order to get married, there has to be a, a certain measure of chesed, and that's what uh, that's what Yitzchak was look, uh, Eliezer was looking for in the shidduch for Yitzchak was was chesed. That's why we're not permitted to marry into the nation of Ammon and Moab forever. Because they didn't provide us with bread and water on the way out of Mitzrayim, they didn't have the midah of chesed. So all marriage is about chesed, one spouse to the other. But even you know thinking beyond ourselves. There's nothing wrong with the couples that are getting married, thinking about what can we do for the larger Jewish community, what can we do for you know, a situation. So I don't know if that's such a stare to the, to the mood at the time of a wedding. It might actually be something that's, uh, that's highly appropriate, but as long as it's structured in the, uh, in the, uh, in the appropriate fashion. Uh,